At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I am your host, DK. Unfortunately, Lou is not here with me today, but um, as a, as his substitute, we have the wonderful Braden Flint. What up, Braden? Hey, yo, what's up, my friends? How's everyone doing? I'm assuming that everybody is saying, great, we're doing so good. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we are live right now so. on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash DK Mixes. That is D-E-E-K-E-I Mixes. Uh, if you don't know who Brayden is, that's because you are not an exclusive content subscriber. Brayden is in charge of all of our exclusive content. If you did not know, we release three times the amount of episodes that we used to. So... We used to re- release one episode a week. Now we are releasing three episodes a week. And by popular demand, the what we're doing is I'm going to continue to talk about my philosophy and communication, different things that I like to talk about with all sorts of people all over the world. Um, Braden has been tasked, and he I do a few episodes here and there with him as well, to talk about technical things. So Braden is a mastering engineer, currently based out of Utah, but is in the middle of a move to Austin. We'll talk about that later. Um, and what he does is he curates clips. So any clips from YouTube, from other podcasts, from books or whatever, any sort of content that's already out there from Grammy winning, award winning engineers. So really great, uh, content. And then he breaks it down and makes it even more simple. So like we've had an episode about busing and routing and reverbs and delays. We've had an episode about phase and how to point that out. We've had many different episodes about various different topics, all 
uh, sourced from high-level engineers. Again, that is $4 a month. At the current pricing, it is $4 a month or $40 a year. Um, you can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive and you'll get access to it. Um, if you use Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, all you have to do is pay and it'll it'll give you a couple steps and a couple clicks. It'll update your podcast in your app to show all the exclusive episodes. Those episodes come out uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays. So the regular free podcast comes out on Tuesday mornings, 6 a.m. Eastern time. The exclusive content comes out Wednesdays and Thursdays. And we're really, really excited. We already have a bunch of new subscribers. So if you already subscribed, thank you so, so much. Maybe eventually we'll actually start doing shout outs for new subscribers every single week. And by name, I don't know if I don't want anybody to be doxxed or like or anything like that. I, I doubt it. I think it'll be okay. Thank all the subscribers, kind of like all the YouTubers do with their Patreon. Anyway, um, that's who the heck Braden is. Um, so he's kind of like the secondary, new secondary co-host and will be helping us out kind of assisting with the podcast. Anyway, um, today the podcast episode is Reasons Why Your Mix Sucks. Okay, this is a super clickbaity title, and I don't know <laughs> why you sadistic freaks want to be told why your mixes suck. And don't say that you don't want your mixes, you don't want to be told your mixes suck. For some reason you do, because my analytics show that every time I post about something like this, you click on it more. So this is your fault. I don't want to berate you and make you feel bad about your mixes. I want to instill more confidence in you. Yet I get way more clicks when I call you out and call you a bitch. I don't know why that works. <laughs> Please stop. I don't want to call in, I don't want to call anyone out. I <laughs> I want to help you feel more confident. So stop clicking on that stuff. Click on my more boring episodes about how to be more confident. And then maybe I'll start talking about it. But no, today uh, Jackass DK comes out and I'm going to make you feel really, really bad. <laughs> 10 reasons well I'm, i may not do 10 i'm literally i'm coming up with this list on the spot but um i do feedback fridays i've missed the last month uh that's totally on me but i do feedback fridays every friday around 10 a.m uh pacific standard time in la time um and do mix feedback fridays i have not done that in the last month so i apologize but um i'll probably start picking it up again um and I've been doing feedback professionally. Like I get paid to give people feedback for their mixes now since I started the podcast. And I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs. I might, I might have actually hit the thousands uh, of just giving feedback to people. Um, and even one of the first episodes that popped off on the podcast when I, when I started, it was like episode number three or five or four, one of the three, um, was about why you suck at giving feedback. And so it's talking about the art of giving feedback to other engineers or receiving feedback or how to take feedback. Anyway, just about feedback in general. So um, it was a, actually a really popular episode. Um, and I've learned a lot. And I think giving feedback is a skill in itself. And having done so many, I feel like I've learned quite a bit about how to give feedback. And I've recognized many, many patterns of how people have submitted subpar mixing and... And my, some of these are kind of just like conjecture, like things that I think, as we learn a new word that we learn from the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp case, hearsay, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Objection, hearsay. Uh, yeah. Did, did you just object to your own question? <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, talking about this, I'm sure, Braden, you're going to help me. I'm going to do a lot of talking. I apologize, Braden. Uh, you're just. Hey, it's good with me. You're just. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Will, Rena. Uh, Ten things. Number one thing is, uh, 
in general, this is a, this is a funny one. Um, I can tell when you don't reference your mixes. Do you, how often should you be referencing your mixes, Braden? When you say referencing your mixes, you mean referencing to another track? Yeah, correct? sure, yeah. Honestly, like, uh, I mean, every every single mix you do, like, I, there's no reason you shouldn't be referencing something. And in my experience, you don't have to, like, sit there and go back and forth between your mix and somebody else's mix the entire time. But, like, if you're if you're looking to make a good mix, like you got to reference it against something that you consider a good mix every time, at least once, if yeah. not, if not many, many times. Yes. Correct. Okay. So this is awesome. Sorry. I said correct as if I'm like, if this is a game <laughs> show. No, you're, you're equal. No. Okay. Anyway, so we're going <laughs> to, no, I think that's a I'm really, a really good point. Um, I can tell when you haven't referenced because clear signs of not referencing is when it sounds really off. For example, some speakers, and and especially in relationship to some rooms, the high end in your Atom Audios may be way more than your car or something else. And your speakers in your listening position may be way brighter. So in order to make things sound good out of your speakers in your listening position, without any sort of reference, is to make it dark. And oft, oftentimes too dark in that specific scenario. Many people work on like NS10s or something similar where they sound like shit on purpose to emphasize the mid-range. So then they add way too much bass because the speakers don't uh, tr- don't have enough bass. So you kind of, you don't quite, to, in order to hear the bass or make it sound good out of those sh- shitty speakers, uh, excuse my language, um, you have to compensate with more top end and more bass. And now you have a really bass heavy and really bright mix. I can tell that you haven't referenced because oftentimes these mixes are so off that you would have noticed if you referenced. If you listen to a Dua Lipa song, or if you listen to a, a Bruno Mars song, or, or if you do, do rock music, if you listen to a Foo Fighters track, you would have noticed it's not even close. Um, that's the that's first thing. Uh, Brayden, I talk to you a lot about referencing and how I reference as well. Um, how are different ways you like to reference when you're working to stay subjective? So pretty much like for me with, um, especially with mastering, like I always ask clients for a reference mix, a goal that they're going for. Uh, sometimes the, sometimes I'll ask for like a couple, uh, sometimes that can get a little confusing though, especially when they send songs that are kind of different or they'll pick like three songs and then be like, Oh, I want it to sound like in between all three of these, (laughs) but using like especially for mastering using a reference mix has been like super important for me especially knowing like okay this is how they want their top end to sound this is how they want the low end this is where they want the mid range to sit and um like obviously you know sometimes the quality of records i get doesn't always match but i'm not really always looking for quality of record as much as i am checking out kind of the sonic spectrum, the compression on the mix, as opposed to what they've sent me. Um, so that's like, I don't know, that's, that's one of the biggest and most important things I do in mastering is making sure that I'm referencing sonic spectrum, uh, the dynamic control of each song, the volume level, especially as well. Um, just a lot of times the volume is genre dependent. Uh, so, you know, EDM is like slammed way harder than perhaps like Silk Sonic would be. <laughs> um, so definitely like referencing is, I don't want to say it's everything, but it is extremely important for a mastering engineer to get a good idea of what 
the client is looking for and not just for mastering either for mixing you know figuring out levels how hot is their snare drum how hot is the vocal how in your face is it is it compressed what kind of delay is on it you know where does where do the guitars sit in the mix are they wide are they more narrow you know so paying attention to each little detail as you listen to a reference is is you know really important for at least kind of matching the sound that you're looking for. You know, you don't have to do it exactly the same. And that's what's unique about music is everything's different. But if a client wants something that they're like, I want it to sound like this, then you best be listening to what they want it to sound like. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, reference. Make sure that you stay subjective. Um, I could tell. I can. It's really easy to tell that you haven't referenced. Um, so please reference, whether it's before you start or whether it's while you do it or whether it's after or whether you need to take a couple days to kind of get subjective again and come back to it. Reference, reference, reference. All right. Number two is your gear sucks. Psych, that's what you want number two to be about. It's not about your gear. I just fooled you. It's never about gear. And in fact, let me change number two, point number two to it's you thinking that it has to do with your gear that's making you a worse mixer or a worse engineer. Okay, that's number two. So if you think it's your speakers and your room and or you don't have speakers and you're working on headphones or it's the DAW that you use or the plug-in set that you have or the template they work on, F you, it's not that... I'm not, I'm not, don't, I'm not going to say F you. I'm sorry, I apologize. Um, uh, I went too far we'll with out. the sadistic nature of this episode topic. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but no, for real though, it's don't let your confidence go down. I would say number two is more about confidence levels. Like, it is very important for you to stay confident, not cocky, not not arrogant, but how you feel about yourself and your mixing process and your work, I think does directly um, change the quality of your sound. If you say, if you're really uncomfortable with it or you're very unconfident, not confident, or, you know, or you're in an, um, an, uh, in a situation or in a room or using tools that you're not as familiar with, that's going to make you more uncomfortable. That's going to change your sound. And it's going to, you're going to be more um, conservative with your mixing moves. And when you're more conservative with your mixing stuff, it doesn't always sound better. Uh, balanced mixes are boring mixes oftentimes. And, and that's a, I like that quote a lot because it's true. So um, be comfortable with your space. Be comfortable with who you are. It's more about getting used to your equipment, getting used to your room, um, doing your best to like put up acoustic treatment if what you can or using sonarworks or whatever it is. Um, but it's not about your gear. Brayden, your thoughts on that? Here's what I will say about that. <laughs> I think personally, <clears throat> there is... Um, I, I would say, like, personally, I think there's a base level of gear to achieve um but i agree like and when i say base level of gear like a nice pair of headphones a good set of monitors I i'm not talking like you need to go drop 10 grand on the newest p newest pmcs or you need to have the 1500 dollars full cow headphones like you know just something decent like after that point you know it is a matter of ear training and also learning your room you know like dk said doing as much acoustic treatment as you can um and, you know, like every room is different. So learning how your room responds, like, for example, my room has like a mode at 130 hertz or something. So I'm careful when I'm doing things in the low end because I know that my room might be affecting what I'm hearing. So that's the first thing I'll say about it. Also, second thing I'll say and the last thing I'll say is uh, don't believe the hype over gear. 
Mm. Um, especially being a mastering engineer, I have always felt like, <clears throat> oh, I need all this analog equipment. I need to get the $10,000 Sontec Masalek EQ that's in every mastering house around the world. And after using analog gear, personally, I don't think it's that great. <laughs> Hot take on the podcast. <laughs> um, well, well I mean, we've had, we've had Leslie Brathwaite with over a dozen <laughs> Grammys, uh, direct quote, say, analog sucks. Um, um, so I, I don't think that you're saying anything extra profound, but I think something that many people still need to hear. Yeah. I uh, and, and, you know, if you want to spend your money on it and you've got the money to do it, by all means, go ahead. But uh, just for me, like, I've used analog gear, and the more I use it, the more I'm like, Man, I'm just I'm getting rid of my desk. I'm getting rid of my analog gear. I'm getting a little tiny converter and some good speakers, and that's what I'm going with. Like, and I'm pretty sure that's um that's like what Mike Tucci does. You know, his setup is like a tiny little desk, a Lynx Hilo, and his PMCs, and he's master. He's Grammy nominated like how many times over for his mastering? You know, so don't don't believe the hype about gear. Sure, certain gear has certain flavors. It it can do this and that for you, but. Uh, the gear is not why your mix sucks, to quote DK. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing. Going back to what you said, um, and here's the argument point. I, I am sure that you're right with you need to have some sort of baseline, baseline uh, um, gear stuff going on. But let me, let me ask you this. I know you're yeah. a mastering engineer, not as much of a mixer, and in turn yeah. not as confident with your mixing as you are with mastering. But let's say we both had a mix off. You have a great ear, but we have a mix off. I am given $25 Behringer headphones, uh, a PC that can barely run and only can rock stock plugins on, on, uh, on Reaper, right? And you're given everything in the world. Who do you think is going to have a better mix? For the sake of my business, it will be me. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, DK, DK will win in the mix category every time. Yeah. Every time. And I'm confident that most people listen— I, I, all right, because this is like a sadistic episode and you you keep clicking, everybody keeps clicking on why your mixes suck and on that click, I will I will probably mix better than ever. You want to hear this. I will probably outmix most people listening right now on $25 Behringer headphones. <laughs> I don't know if that's will, actually I'll, true. There's actually I really, really bet. great mixers. There's really, really great mixers listening to this podcast and many of you all are actually really, really great and I probably couldn't beat everybody. But I, mean, I think that goes to show, like I'm pretty confident. With $25 headphones, I can make things sound good. Oh, yeah. Give me a Focusrite, a $100 Focusrite and $25 headphones and a laptop that can only run stock plugins before it crashes. I will outmix you. And uh, that's how little it is about the gear. Um, so don't negate experience there. Okay, next one. Number three. Why your mix may suck. Number three is your lack of automation. This is important. This is specifically more with mixing. I mean, you automate stuff sometimes with mastering, but it's more with mixing here. All right. I've had this before. Many, many clients send me a rough demo mix, especially bands. Okay. How, if you want the chorus to be louder, how does a band make a chorus louder? They don't add a keyboard player. They just play louder um, unless they are smart with their arranging and the keyboard player doesn't come in except for the choruses. That's that's a real thing. But, uh, um, 
I do think that automation is going to be your secret with how to make sections feel separate and how to make sections feel big. It's not about turning things up. It's about turning everything else down. I talk a lot about that. So if you want the chorus to feel bigger, turn everything else down during the verses. Um, automate your reverbs and your effects, the volumes, obviously. Automate uh, compressors or whatever creative thing that you want to do. Um, a lot of automation, I would say, the more time you spend on an automation, the more interesting your mix can become. Um, some mixes are automatically just, songs are interesting all the way through because of the arrangement, but as far as from a mixing, pure mixing standpoint, you can make mixes really interesting by adding a lot more automation. So please add more automation to your mixes. All right, any thoughts on that, Brayden? Uh, in mastering, the most automation I do is like 1 dB, and it's typically to just give... But the thing is, 1 dB actually can give quite a bit of emphasis to a chorus or to a drop, actually, if you kind of fade things like right before. Like clip and then gain. You're talking about clip up. gain, right? Like volume. The Not volume even of... clip gaining. Like I'll just straight up automate the volume. Like when it gets, like there was an EDM track I did recently and right before the drop, I uh, maybe like three or four bars, I just did a little dip of 1 dB and then right before the kick drum hit in the chorus, I just put it back up 1 dB. And you'd be surprised what it does. So automate, baby, automate. Yeah, make sure you automate. Take the time to automate. Uh, it's, it's something that is tedious or can be tedious. It's something that takes extra attention to detail and takes time. Um, most people will not appreciate it, but I think automation is one of the things that separates good mixers to great mixers um, from great mixers. So uh, number four, we're going to talk about width. Um, not in the way that you think it is. Uh, well, actually both. I've had mixes where it's not wide enough. It's very, very mono. Um, and not like literally mono, but it's just like it's so in the middle and nothing else is spread out that it's like I notice. <laughs> like when I listen to this music, I don't want to notice the width. And then there's also many times that I've had mixes where they send me stems, but for some reason there's a stem in there like, for example, oftentimes with the keys where it's so damn wide that they're out of phase now. Mm. And I don't care about mono compatibility, but I do care that it's like it was distracting. And if and more importantly, it sounded really, really, really fake. Um, so either widen things if, if your things are too far up the middle and not a lot of things pan left and right, then make sure to widen some things. Um, and if it's if you're doing fake width because someone told you to, uh, make sure that you don't widen as much. And and I've had to do that. Like it mixes where I like mono things out because it's just too wide and like re rewiden it. It's bad. I like separate the left and right and only keep the left side and then like fake, fake stereo with it on the left side. Uh, yeah. Don't make me have to do that. Like, um, <laughs> so go wide, but not too wide. I think that um, emotionally speaking, the more width that you have, songs tend to be feel more happy, more upbeat. Uh, seems to feel more euphoric, and mono things tend to feel more focused and potentially uh, punchy. Uh, yeah, so like uh, it's somewhere between. Um, everything that we do, I, I think this could go into point number five, which is mix emotionally. I talk about this a lot as well. Uh, I asked in the recent episode with Leslie Brathwaite, I don't know if it's going to come out before or after this episode comes out, but I asked him at the end of the episode, I said, uh, what's some advice that you give to beginner engineers, intermediate engineers, and, and master engineers, like really like mm. advanced engineers. And he said for the beginners, I forgot what he said. Uh, in, in, 
it, it was last week. Um, I should remember what he said. What he said. Um, but uh, the 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 most important one that I'm trying to get to is for advanced how to improve as an advanced engineer is remembering to mix emotionally. Many people forget about this. Um, this is another thing that separates the boys from the men's, from the girls to the women. Um, is is um, mixing emotionally. How do things feel? It's not about how punchy you can make the drums, but what happens to the song emotionally when they become punchy? What happens when you make it, uh, oh, the overall uh, volume of the mix minus eight LUFS versus keeping it at minus 10 or minus 12? Like what happens emotionally? Paying attention to how dynamics and how tones emotionally impact the song is what separates, is what, makes great good to great mix engineers like great mix engineers will understand the emotional aspects um th this can go into understanding your clients as well when they say silly things like i want the song and mix to sound more blue and knowing what that means um because you are in tune with the emotions of a mix i think that that is super duper important so that's number five stay emotionally connected to your mixing process let it be artistic let it flow from you um any thoughts on that brayden yeah, I would um <clears throat> I would argue that it's like super important to mix emotionally. Uh just yeah, for mix engineers especially to mix emotionally, to mix to a vibe. I think that's one thing that um, you know, Leslie has talked about before is keeping the vibe of the original demo track that's sent to you. Um, you know, if the hi-hats are super loud or the kick drum is really loud, maybe technically it's not right quote unquote right but it's the emotion of the song that you're trying to convey and that's like the point of music at the end of the day right to convey emotions and to convey feelings you know um so i would say it's especially important for mix engineers to mix emotionally because at least for me when it gets to the mastering stage it's a little more technical a little more objective not so much like wanting to feel a certain way as it is kind of like is this going to sound good everywhere it goes? That being said, mastering is not like totally non-emotional. It's not like I get a mix and I'm like, I just like look at numbers and frequencies and graphs and analyzers. And um, there are times when I, you know, when I get a master and I'm like, well, I feel like, you know, if, the, if this was just a touch brighter, it would really add some energy to the song. Or if I, you know, pull up the Poltec EQ and I'm like, this could use a touch more low end at 60, which would add some beef, which would add some, you know, feeling to the low end and like push the song forward. So I definitely think, you know, music is an emotional thing. So use your emotions to create music. There you go. Number six is going to be setting the correct expectations. And we're going to go into two parts of this, uh, why this is important. Number one, um, if the expectation of how you want a mix to turn out is more important than what you can do with it. For example, you want this mix to be super duper punchy and you get it to be punchy, but you sacrifice what the song needed in exchange to hit your expectation. That's bad. Uh, make sure that you continue to pivot your expectation and understand that you are guiding a song where it wants to go, not you are taking a song and you're, you're, you're stuck on how it's supposed to sound. Let it breathe. Let it do its own thing. Music wants to take you somewhere. Pay attention to what the music is trying to tell you. Number two is more of like a career or life advice. Many people ask me, why am I not making money fast enough? Or how do I make more money from this? Uh, people try to, I've been doing this for three months. Why, am, why do I not have clients? Hello? Um, <laughs> people do this for decades and still ask the same questions. Uh, it's 
the music industry is much smaller than you think it is. Like, substantially smaller than you think it is. I think I've talked about this in the past. If I remember the numbers correctly, these are actually really close. In 2019, um, the the income from everything in the music, indus- in music industry was about $26.3 billion in the whole world. Tech, on the other hand, in 2019, tech, the industri- tech industry in the United States alone was like $1.3 trillion. Um, pornography in the United States alone in the, the industry was another $1.6 trillion in the United States alone. Um, there's entertainment movies, film in the United States alone was... Uh, about half a trillion, a little bit less than half a trillion dollars. So like four, three to five hundred billion dollars um, uh, in the United in the United States alone. Uh, music is twenty six, uh, less than thirty billion in the whole world. Not even just the U.S. Uh, it's honestly uh, pathetic how little money there actually is in music. So first off, set your expectations right. This is a long term game, and we do this out of passion. Yes, there's. There's a, there's a gambling section involved. Like, if you make it big, you'll make a lot of money. And most creatives, uh, psychologically speaking, are known to willing to, are known to be more willing to apt to take bigger risks for higher rewards, um, but are also okay if, if that reward never comes, all right? So be prepared for that. Set your expectations with your career correctly. Like, work hard, get clients, do everything that I would ever tell you or give advice, get advice from great people that know what they're doing, that already have a career, but set the proper expectations. No, you're not going to be good in two years and two years alone. You're definitely not going to be good in in three months, and let alone a week. No, don't text me about how I can be better uh, uh, and when you've only been doing this for five months. Like, it's, it's just, what am I supposed to tell you? You suck, and it's going to be that way for at least another few years? Uh, set your expectations right. Just keep it healthy. Do it because you love it. Um, and... You, it's inevitable. You will get better if you are focused on on trying to improve, which will go into number eight. Number eight reason, and this is a big one. This is another one that separates the men from the boys and women from the girls, from good to great engineers, is humility. And I'm not talking about impersonality. I'm not talking about being more agreeable and being a yes man more often. No, I'm talking about the ability to learn and to seek knowledge constantly. One of the most notable things about, uh, for example, Dave Pensado is famous for this. He's always trying out new tools. His interns will say, have you heard of this new plugin? He will download and try them out and like really try to figure out how things work. Is always, and, and to be fair, may I say, st- uh, statistically and stereotypically speaking, um, older men and women are much less, significantly less likely to adapt to new technologies and to learn new things. Uh, that, that is a fact. That is a statistical thing, uh, is, is commonly researched. Um, yet somehow Dave Pensado, in his, as, as old as he is, is still one of the world leaders in the engineering world of, of pushing the envelope of learning new techniques and learning new tools, and that directly keeps him relevant. He, he is very relevant in today. One of the only engineers that is of his age that is still making super relevant music, uh, mixing super relevant records. Um, and I mean, that's, you could take that as far as you'd like and, and you can, but I mean, the point is, um, keep learning, learning from your interns, even being open, like 
David, Dave Pensado and like Leslie Brathwaite and, and many other top, top engineers often talk about how they're, they love to learn from their interns. So they're from their kohai, as we say in Japanese. Their senpai, which is people above you, your senior seniority. And then there's kohai, which is the people below you. They love, they're humble enough to learn things from their kohai. Um, as their senpai, they're humble enough to learn things from their kohai, uh, which is super important. Oftentimes, engineers are very prideful, and that can be a good thing, actually. Um, it's good. It's okay to be prideful about your art, and and I want someone that's relatively cocky when it come when it comes when I'm working on something uh, subjective or yeah, subjective like uh like music. I want whoever I'm working with to be relatively cocky, but then I also want them to back up their cockiness. <laughs> but uh, in that sense, like. It's really, really important to stay humble enough to be willing to learn from everyone and from any situation. Uh, you are never above anybody. And honestly speaking, uh, again, I keep referencing Leslie because that was t- front of mind because that was the episode we recorded last week. He talked about how he understands how little he actually has, how little influence he has on the final product of the song. Like he works with a huge team with A&R, with the artists, the songwriters, the producers, the recording engineer, the mastering engineers. Like the mixing phase alone is a very small portion of the song and he stays humble because he recognizes how small of an impact he has on the final mix. And because of that, he stays very open. He never gets jealous. He is always, when when somebody else gets work than when he does, he never gets jealous about it. Um, he always is looking to learn and is is understanding and very humble. Um, I think that is, and this is not just Leslie and not just Dave Pensado. I've heard this from many, many, many other big engineers. This is a personality thing. Um, you got to continue to choose to be humble in situations when you're aware of it. And then slowly, as you continue to choose to be humble in specific scenarios, you will slowly, uh, as a personality, you will slowly start to become more humble as a person. Um, so choose to be more humble, be aware, self-aware of, of your willingness to learn and your pride and your ignorance and, um, continue to learn. Uh, please, uh, if you are, um, if you find yourself being, if you find yourself being prideful, uh, that, or this is a really common one. I hear a lot of, I hate to say this, um, but like I I hear a lot of older cats say, especially like I've heard profess, my professor say this, um, I don't think this new genre that is currently popular right now is relevant. Well, then your career is irrelevant. As soon as you start to dismiss the relevance or the importance of something that is popping right now or something that is a trend right now, then you as a career, as a working person are are no longer relevant. Um, In order to stay relevant in the industry, you have to keep learning. Things change and they change way too fast. Trends change way too fast, and you got to keep up with it constantly. Um, pay attention to your surroundings. Talk to other people. Keep talking, communicating. I'm talking way too much now. Braden, your thoughts? <laughs> I totally <clears throat> agree 100%. Um, there's not anyone that you can't learn something from. And I think that's, I really think that's like one thing that kind of, um, I guess you could say kind of, really shifted my mindset and really helped me get a lot better at um, just like music in general, maybe not even necessarily mastering, but just music overall is realizing like, let's, let's be honest. Okay. At some point we have all just talked trash on somebody that was better than us because we were mad that we weren't as good as them. And I know that I have done that in the past And really, like, it doesn't help you 
to just be mad that somebody's better than you or to be jealous of what they've done or whatever. It would be way more beneficial for you to be humble, like DK said, and approach that person about how they got so good and learn some of their techniques, learn some of their tricks, learn some of what they do, you know, learn how they practice their ear training, you know, whatever it may be, and just learn from other people. Just take an always learning approach. And if you can approach not even just music, but like is like corny as it sounds, if you can approach life that way, just every situation you're in, you're looking to learn, then I think at the end, like you're just going to be better for it because you, like DK said, there's nobody that you can't learn something from. And there's always going to be somebody that can share something with you, something new, whether it's a plugin, whether it's how to use this EQ, whether it's how to use this compressor, whether it's limiting, whether it's stereo imaging, anything like that. Um, you can just always learn something from the people around you. So stay humble, but also be confident. You know, like DK said, nobody nobody also wants like a yes man that's just like puts their head down like yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, like all the time. Um, so be confident in yourself. And uh, one thing that I like to say to people is you're probably doing better than you think you are. So be confident in yourself, but also at the same time, take every opportunity you can to learn from those around you. And to be, yeah, and, and to piggyback on that, often confidence comes because you've taken so much time to learn and ask questions. So yes. if you become too prideful too early, then you will all, that's when like imposter syndrome starts to happen or, or many different complexities starts to happen within the mind. Um, because, you haven't been asking that questions and you're smart enough to recognize that you don't know everything. But if, if you want, but there's a balance. If you're going and you're actively trying to learn everything and learn from wherever you go, you'll recognize that you're still up to date and you, you know what's going on with the industry. You know what people are thinking in general. So in turn, you think that asking more questions, become more curious would make you more, more insecure, but it's the opposite. You become more confident. Because now I know that I know what the heck I'm talking about when it comes to bass and when it comes to EQ. I can show, I can mix live on Twitch in front of y'all and I will feel really confident about it because I know what the heck I'm doing because I've done so much research and I put so much time into this. So um, that's a part of it. It's, it's usually a more curiosity, more questions asked. First off, is a form of intelligence and which intelligence is, and this is one of those things where intelligence is kind of a choice and a personality trait than it is. <laughs> uh, but literally just being humble and learning but as well as like a way to become more confident. Okay. Um, so, I, can I say one more time. thing about that actually? Yeah, go ahead. So the last thing I'll say about that is <clears throat> when you're learning something too, don't just like learn it and think like, oh, that was cool. Like learn it and then actually try it. So if somebody tells you like, oh yeah, I was able to get this guitar tone because I did this and that, like try what they did. You might not get the same guitar tone. You might get something totally different that's cooler or that you like more. So don't just like, don't just think you have to like watch somebody do something and you're like, oh man, like I learned so much. Like take what they taught you, learn it and then try it. Because when you try it and you apply it, that's when you honestly learn the most, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say application is like 60 to 80% of the learning process. Um, okay. Number nine is real easy. Oh, actually, before we go on to number nine, real quick shout out. Thank you to our sponsors. First off, um, Isotope. Isotope is so amazing. Braden, you use Isotope plugins. I do. Isotope is dope. The Isotope Ozone Exciter is freaking legit. 
Everybody that's so, been on the show and I've talked about Isotope is does is so awesome. I love Isotope. Um, check out. We have ten percent off coupons, and we can also extend. They usually come with seven day trial periods, but we extend the trial periods to thirty days. If you go to isotope.com backslash mm podcast, you'll go to the mm podcast side of the page of Isotope. Well, they'll give you ten percent off to any of their products, or give you a thirty day free trial instead of seven for their monthly subscription stuff. We all use Isotope stuff. Isotope is one of those buy it and forget about things because everybody uses them. Um, just just get it early. It's kind of... Get it uh, out of the it's way. It's just really awesome. It's really great. And it's like, if you have no other companies that just have Isotope, that's cool too. Like, it's a really great company. Um, anyway, let's go into number nine. Uh, number nine is use of templates and um, presets. Okay, before I start bashing templates and presets, which I'm not fully going to do actually... Uh, Templates are important, and I think there is a use of buying templates or or creating your own templates uh, as far as because when you buy templates for the sake of workflow, so it's more like there's buses and there's routing, um, workflow templates are fine you, because workflows is how you get into different creative mindsets uh, and speed up your process to stay inspired, to stay creative. So create w- templates for yourself, but templates are not... I'm going to leave an EQ with this huge boost and a huge cut right here. No, 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 no. That's not a template. Uh, a template should mostly be routing and workflow. So you can have the plugins there, but I'd recommend not even having presets because um, presets is something that I'm much more against. Presets is like you're committing, you go through the preset, going through presets and picking the one that you like is fine and then t- tweaking from there, but you should never pick a preset because of what it's called. Oh, this is the good snare preset. Oh, I'm working on a snare right now. Click it, set and forget. Heck no. Use your ears. Tweak and adjust. Maybe that dirty bass preset on your snare sounds better than the thick snare preset. I don't know. Just try things out. Um, Take the preset names with a grain of salt. Use your ears. Always use your ears. Um, But with templates, like make templates for yourself. Recording, mixing, mastering template. Um, If you want to buy templates, TZO's template uh, Lou has right? And we've talked about that on a previous episode. TZO did like a four-hour seminar with us talking about his his recording template as well. Like, that's available. Um, someone on YouTube broke down the the that episode that we did um, and is selling his template for $3, but you can actually just watch it and create it yourself, or you can download it for free from Lou. Uh, but um, templates are more about workflow and speeding up the process. Uh, and so... I guess it's we number nine is about templates, but it's also about working fast. I talk a lot about mixing super fast um, and staying like staying true to your instincts. Um, the faster you mix, the less you think about things, which you'd think would make worse mixes, but no, it, it makes you more makes you make moves that are more instinctive. Uh, and w- when you mix with your instincts, you stay closer to the emotional intention of the song, and it actually ends up sounding better a lot of the time. So um, just mix fast. Uh, stay in a state of flow. Get rid of all distractions. If you have to import and rename everything every single time, or like you have to create your template every single time, things that slow down your process, it doesn't just slow you down and make you make less per hour if you're charging per project, but it'll also it'll also make you less creative. It'll take away your enlightenment or your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your inspiration. Um, so use templates uh, and create your own presets. I use, I create my own presets. I'll be like DK snare start something that I like to use all the time. But it's it's like a baseline thing, so I don't have to click five different things before I start tweaking it. So it's more of like again, it's more about workflow and making things faster. Um, so be aware of that. Uh, any thoughts on that, Braden? 
I have three thoughts. <clears throat> Number one, I use a template. It is called the Flint Mastering 2022 template. It is set up <clears throat> so that when I import files, I have a section for reference tracks. I have a section for rough masters. I have a section for the actual mix that I'm going to be mastering. And I have my master track that has all my analyzer plugins on it. So 100% use templates to speed up your workflow. It's really annoying to open and create a big session over and over and over again, especially like DK said, if you're charging hourly. So I, I'm a fan of templates. I use one. Um, that being said, try some different templates, see what works for you. Uh, like DK said, it's a workflow thing. Number two, please, for the love of all that is good in this world, do not set and forget presets. <laughs> it's just like, uh, I can just say this from experience, having done it. Um, presets, they just, they just really don't account for your audio. They don't account for what you're doing. And like what DK said, a lot of times they're a great starting point. There's actually a quite a famous mastering engineer, Streaky. He's on YouTube and all that stuff. And when he needs to tighten up the low end, he'll use FabFilters Pro Multiband. Um, it's called like, I think it's literally called tight low end preset. But then he adjusts it from there. So like DK said, you can use a preset as a starting point or a jumping off point, but please don't grab something that says like, vocal clean or like vocal up front or guitar crunchy and just like throw it on your thing and then be like yeah it sounds sick you know like please use your ears train your ears and <laughs> use templates as a or uh, not templates use presets as a starting point i actually had somebody that was dming me about dming me about working on a project together and they were like oh my vocal just doesn't pop the way i want it to and they're like i use vocal presets and i was like well that's probably your answer because that vocal preset is not going to make your vocal pop how you want it to. Um, anyway, and the third thing, I don't remember what the third thing was, but I'll tell you what templates the third don't thing use was. presets. <laughs> I'll tell you what the third thing was. The third thing was a reminder, once again, um, we're sponsoring our own show. Braden and I have a segment every Wednesday and Thursday on the Mixing Music Podcast. It is extremely exclusive. You can only get to it by subscribing, paying $4 a month or $40 a year. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive. You get access to two more episodes every single week. So that's right. Instead of one episode every week, you get three every week, three times the amount of content um, that is unlocked when you pay $4 a month or $40 a year. So it's really cheap. It's the price of a cup of coffee. Um, it's 100% technical information. It's not about how you communicate better with your clients or how aesthetics is better. No, it's technical information of how you can improve your mixes, your mastering, your production. It's really, really great. Uh, Braided does a great job organizing and curating the information. It's all from very high-level engineers um, and high-level producers uh, that we take clips from and expand on. So... You go check out that episode that we did with Braden if you'd like to hear a couple uh, demos of the first few. That comes out every Tuesday or every Wednesday and Thursday. So mixmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive. Okay, number 10. Number 10 is the most important. Um, and I find a lot of people struggle with this, especially the more further down and the longer they've been they've been mixing or producing or doing music. Number 10, and this is this is philosophical, but I think this one does have a direct impact on how good your mixes are is seek self... Uh, sorry, let me say this again. <laughs> is to continue to seek self-fulfillment and to, to focus on your mental health. Just focus on trying to enjoy the craft of mixing. 
I can hear when you're depressed. No, that's, I mean, not really, <laughs> but I mean, not really, but I mean, like, for real though, like, you're going to get, every time, I, I'm sure that you relate to this too, Braden, and anybody listening right now, when I stop having fun and I force myself to try to improve so much where it's no longer fun, my mixes get worse or I become more stagnant. I either go negative or I stay stagnant. And that's when it becomes the least fun. That's when I start forgetting even more. And it's just like this rapid downward spiral. It's a cycle. I, I don't do as good, which makes me more depressed, which makes me not do as better good on the next one. And it's just like a cycle. So number 10, honestly, for the sake of better mixing, remember to just have fun with it. Um, if you are, and I think this goes into it, one of the solutions may be keeping a day job. It's not embarrassing to keep a day job. Um, if you continue to find yourself hating music because all you do is say yes to clients that you don't like working with because you need the money, that's going to make you mix worse in the future or at least make you go stagnant and make you want to quit music. Wouldn't it be better to have a day job and do something that you potentially don't like so that way you can accept projects, you can financially only accept projects that you do like. And so that, that way mixing stays cathartic. It may not... You may want for the sense of for the sense of pride, you may want to do mixing full time. But as far as like for the art of it, you got to stay in love with it. Jesse and I, we've talked about this. Many people talk about this. Leslie talked about it in this last episode. People have a hard time with this, and if you struggle with this, you're not the only one. Most people do. Many people eventually even get to the point where they start to feel a lot of anxiety when they're mixing or when they're producing or starting to create music. When it was at first something that was so cathartic and so something so passionate for them um that affects how good your stuff is it really does and it, it affects you as a person don't let it get to that point um really let your own happiness your self-fulfillment your inspiration stay front of mind especially the longer you do this your the things set the correct expectations i think that has a lot to do with happiness as well uh, be grateful um, and this is also like partially for me cause I constantly have a struggle with letting myself be happy. Um, it's, this is something that will dramatically change your view on music and will help you make better music and in turn make your clients more happy, um, and do more of your best work, put out more of your best work. Uh, Brayden, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that, actually. <laughs> um, I'll just, <clears throat> like, to be totally honest, I have a day job right now. I am a substitute teacher. <laughs> That's so awesome. that is tr that is trying to, uh, you know, make mastering a full-time thing. And what's really nice is I don't have to worry about falling into what I have heard coined as the full-time trap, where... You want so badly to do music full time that you say yes to any and everything, even if it's, you know, like crazy hours or some crazy song you're not interested in, but you have to say yes because it's the only way to like pay your bills. And, um, I think that's like the ultimate way to burn yourself out. Um, sometimes even having a day job, man, and doing mastering on the side and reaching out to clients and stuff like that. Sometimes that can even be difficult. Like it can feel a little burnout ish sometimes. Um, so 
I totally agree with what DK said. Like, have fun with it. That's the point of music, right? Like, obviously, we want to make a career. We want to make enough money to support ourselves doing something that we love. But if you don't love it because it sucks, because you have to do all these crappy projects or something else to make money, then you're not really doing what you love anyway. So uh, that's one of the biggest things, like, especially kind of in, you know, today's world where mental health is more and more talked about. It's a bigger and bigger struggle. Make sure you take care of your mental health because the happier you are, the better your mixes will be. And ultimately, the happier your clients will be, the quality of your work goes up. Everything exponentially improves when you're in the right headspace. You're having fun. You're in the right mindset. Um, I can, I can like, uh, I don't want to use the word testify because that sounds like a... <laughs> <laughs> like I'm some like old churchy person, but I I can, you know, like testify to the fact that when I when I am not happy about something or when my day's kind of been crappy and then I come into the mastering studio and I sit down, I don't do my best work. It's just like a fact. And I think it's similar for everybody. So take care of yourself, take care of each other. You'll have better mixes, you'll have more success. And um, you know, like DK said, no shame in getting a day job to do music on the side or have fun with it. And, you know, also no shame in going balls to the wall to try to make it full time, you know? So do what's best for you and what's best for your mental health and uh, what ultimately helps you mix the best in the end. Absolutely. Have balance in all things. Yin and yang. All right. Uh, that wraps it up for today's episode. Um, we appreciate anybody that stuck around, anybody that's been watching on the live Twitch stream. We've been live this entire time. Anybody that's been subscribing on YouTube, watching us, if you want to know what I look like, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, for anybody that's DM me and followed me on Instagram, appreciate y'all. I try to get to all the DMs I can. Uh, I'm not the most, I'm not the person with the most amount of time in my hands. And when I do have time, I'm trying to spend it with my kids. So I'm not, I, I need to, I'll, I'll do my best as I can to respond to everybody's DMs. And I, I'm grateful for everybody that reaches out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Please leave a five-star review on the podcast, whether it's on Spotify or on Apple Music. Um, that really helps a lot. Uh, feel free to subscribe and share with your friends. All right, so on that note, thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 